Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, eight years after being on the verge of international netball, Katarina Cooper appears set to make her Silver Ferns debut. We preview the World Athletics Champs with veteran New Zealand javelin thrower Stuart Farquhar, who's competing in Moscow. The All Blacks vs Five, Bonham Barrett tells us why he doesn't have the blues. Victor Vito tries to remain positive after his dropping from the All Blacks. We talk to Mark Paston, who's hanging up his goalkeeping gloves for good. And while the Crusaders just missed out on topping the Super Rugby competition, the Sea City Brothers are hoping to top the charts. More on the Sea City Brothers later in the programme. Eight years ago, Otaki midcourter Katarina Cooper was on the verge of an international netball career, but only now is she set to make her Silver Ferns debut. The 27-year-old is one of two newcomers, along with the Southern Steel mid-quarter Courtney Tairi, named in the New Zealand squad for next month's Test Series against Australia. In 2005, Cooper was due to be part of the national under-21 side, which won the World Youth Cup in Miami. That team included current Silver Ferns, Casey Kupua, Laura Langman and Maria Tutaya. But pregnancy meant she missed the tournament and Cooper then disappeared from the national netball scene. In 2012, she returned playing for the Central Pulse, but a serious knee injury ruled her out of this year's Trans-Tasman competition, although that didn't stop Silver Ferns coach Waitomanu picking her for recent trials in Auckland. I got up really early this morning because I'm, I'm so excited to get back home to be with my family to share the amazing news. And, um, yeah, so I'm a bit of mixed emotions at the moment. I'm kind of... I'm tired, but I'm happy. A bit emotional, I think. I want to cry, but I'm kind of holding the tears back. <laughs> tears of happiness, though. Yes, definitely. <laughs> when did you learn that you were in the squad? I started to um, notice when the girls were disappearing out of the squad was getting smaller. I was actually left behind, and there's four girls in my room, and I was the last one left, so I kind of got it from that. So... Yeah, that, that was the only way, because you don't know anything. you kind of just stuck there and you're like, oh, what's happening? Your bags are packed and ready to go, but you're still waiting for the coach to come in and see you. But then, um, yeah, I kind of picked it up later on when I realised that everyone was actually gone and this was the squad. <laughs> so did Y come and tell you you were in? We, yeah, um, the, we had our last meeting together and Y just said to us, oh, congratulations, you the made the um, squad and I was just like okay <laughs> because so, um, you, you look back at that squad of um, was it 2005 yeah and that under 21 team it, only a couple haven't gone on to play in the Silver Ferns and, and obviously you you know if um, you're the current Silver Ferns given they were in there that team with you yes 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 <laughs> I know that completely yeah um, it's amazing it's um, like I was Part of those girls, but then, yeah, that was the year I had my son, and um, so I wasn't, I didn't have a chance to stick with the girls. So it's been exactly eight years 
on Wednesday when my son turned eight. So um, that's when I noticed that, holy crap, I've, this is the first time us girls have been back together since. So, well, that's how I was thinking. So it was a big, this was a big week for me, definitely. And you've had a few injury problems too, which uh, haven't helped. That's right. Um, doing my ACR was a definitely a um, step back, a huge step back for me. Um, but, you know, I've, I've fought through it and I have a family support back in Otaki and um, it was amazing. So I'm here now, but definitely going to work harder to get to make that, that team for sure, yeah. Did you ever think that you would get to this point, given you're now 27? Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, I would always hope, don't, it's every girl's dream that loves netball that they that they get this opportunity and I always hope um, deep down inside that I'd get this chance and now that it's here it's just like oh, I don't want to let go of it I have got it now my 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 foot is at the door and I'm just like want to keep it in there want to get my body fixed and ready to get on that court and represent my country the fact that you are a bit older and in, in, in line to make your debut and, and given yeah. given the life experience you've got I, you, you're yeah. possibly going to be better equipped to, for the for international netball Oh, let's hope. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> I could say that I'm a lot more um, responsible about things. You know, I know how to train a lot harder and I know how to do things like, you know, over the years, yes, I've had lost years of um, this kind of stuff, but I've also gained a lot of um, knowledge about how to be a much a stronger woman. So, um there's definitely um, positives to um, bring out of it, even though I've taken a different path from what these girls have um, taken. Um, I believe that um, anything is possible. <laughs> have you felt quite easily to be able to, to fit back in, given you have had contact? I have. I've, yes, I have. I felt like I'm at home with the girls. It's good because I've known them a lot um, for, for years. And it's not like I haven't kicked out of contact. I've always known the girls and we've always said hello and stuff. And um, I'm good friends with some of the girls. So, um, yes, I feel like I'm at home. And, it, and that's a good feeling. I mean, we can get on straight on the court and just play netball, play some amazing netball. So it was good. And how are you going to celebrate, Katarina? Well, first of all, I'm going to go home, probably cry on my mum's shoulder and my mum and dad and just yeah, soak it all in, let everyone um, just hug me. <laughs> I want a hug from my family. <laughs> my mum was like, oh, I knew you could do it, babe. And, I was just, and my dad was the same. My dad was so happy for me. So um, I'm so happy to have that support from mum and dad and, and my auntie Aurelia, who's been helping me so much with um, keeping me on top of my fitness and nutrition. And, yeah, I've got so much support back home. So I thank my family a lot for this. I was talking with New Silver Fern, Katarina Cooper. New Zealand has nine athletes competing at the World Athletics Champs, which start in Moscow this weekend. The squad is led by three-time world shot put champion Valerie Adams. At the other end of the spectrum are two athletes, Zane Robertson in the 5,000 metres and Angie Smith in the 800 metres, who are competing in their first world championships. This will be the fourth world championships for Waikato javelin thrower Stuart Farquhar. The 31-year-old finished ninth at last year's Olympics, and Barry Guy asked him what he's been up to since. Everything's um, coming together nicely. Um, I've had a bit of a interesting year with um, with performances, but but overall um, I'm tracking well, and I'm really looking forward to these world champs. I remember speaking to you before then, and it was uh, about the commitment that you and your family had put into this, and uh, but obviously that's still uh, carrying on. You still, um, you know, got things to achieve. Yeah, I do. I do. You know, you always 
I've got these goals to 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 break into the you know the top three into the medals in the world, and um, and you know I've uh, committed myself for this year and. Yeah, and just really looking forward to it, and um, and getting up there amongst uh, amongst a lot of the guys. Has training changed at all since the Olympics? No, um, it's probably been a little bit more. Um, I've trained um, a lot harder this year, and um, I did take a bit of a break after the Olympics, um, so it was a bit of a slower start than normal. But uh, it's sort of paid off, and I'm starting to, to find some good form, you know, towards the end at the right time of the year. So, nah, it's been it's been good. Is that a power thing, or you know, the actual technique? What what's been your aim? Yeah, it's it's um. I well, I had a longer period of um, conditioning myself um, in the off season and the early part of our my competition season. So, so pretty much my technique is starting to come into into play a bit more and be a bit more stable um, now, which which will bring up those throws and be a bit more consistent in um, in these competitions. So. That that was one of your main targets. I remember for the Olympics was that consistency, and in a yep. in a competition in a series of throws to have consistency as well. Do you feel that's coming along? Yeah, well, um, like I ha- I haven't competed um, for about four to five weeks, um, four weeks or so. But um, but in training, it's indicating you know it is it's coming together nicely and. Um, and um, and I'm really happy with where I'm at, sitting at the moment with my training. So so um, yeah, I'm in the best possible you know state that I could be in, and um, and just really looking forward to getting out there. Was that last competition Lausanne? Was it? You had a good yeah, re- good it, result there in Diamond League. Yeah, it was a, it was a good result. The the distances weren't too flash, but um, but the conditions were kind of a major factor in that sort of sense. So. But that was one of my better comps of the year, and um, and it was a good time to get that in. Uh, yeah, your distance uh, just over eighty. I, I was looking at uh, some of the best throws for the for the year, and they're up about eighty seven and yeah. eighty eight sort of thing. Um, how how do you feel about that? Oh well, um, you know, like um, everyone has their good throws um, in the season. Um, you know, I've I've only managed the eighty one eighty one meter mark this year. But um, in terms of things, you know, I haven't had great conditions, and and that's where rankings come from. It's where you throw at certain comps where some people have great conditions, some people don't, and and it does reflect on a lot of the high end throws of people. And um, and you know, a lot of these guys throw on 87, 88. Uh, I'm not too worried um, because in the main stadium. It's probably not going to be conducive to huge, huge throwing. So, the whole playing field is definitely going to be levelled out a lot. Is that uh, the Moscow? Is that because you what, is it certain breezes or something that you know perhaps it's not the best conditions? How does that work? Uh, what for the big throws? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say perhaps yeah. in the main stadium it, it won't be conducive to the best throws. Why is that? Well, well, um, you know when you're outside, like all the competitions um, tend to be quite open out in the field sort of competitions where wind is quite strong, um, you know, and its natural throws do, do become a lot bigger. So when you're in the stadiums, there's either little wind um, in the stadium where, you know, the the, the flights of the javelins aren't going to be so drastically high. You know, they're definitely going to be reduced a lot. And um, But again, you've got to remember it's, it's not all about distances and comps. It's about, you know, placings. These world champs, you know, they're the ones that really 
is the is the major sort of the goal is to get your placing and move up to the single digits and then up closer to the ones. So how do you feel going into uh, this World Championships? I feel confident. I feel real good. Um, I've um, been training well over here, uh, and I had been training pretty well leading up to my trip away and following on the last competition. So everything's um, coming together nicely, and my body's feeling good. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just um, yeah, looking forward to it. On the opening weekend in Moscow, Brent Newdick will compete in the decathlon. Mary Davies in the marathon and Valerie Adams in qualifying for the shot put. You're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The All Blacks' first 5-8, Bowden Barrett, says he seriously considered moving to the Blues and that's why it took several weeks for him to make a decision on just where his Super Rugby future would be. Barrett has signed a one-year deal with the Hurricanes, turning down an approach from Blues coach Sir John Kerwin. Pretty much decided a couple of days ago. It wasn't an easy decision, but fully committed to this one now and really excited about next year. The Blues have made no secret of the fact that they, they were they were keen to get you. That must have been um, a, a nice feeling to have people chasing you. It always is good having options, and the Blues are a very professional outfit and put forward a, a pretty good offer. And What they've got up there is, is pretty attractive as well with their coaches and um, obviously a big city, so basically it come down to um, sense of loyalty and I just know that this team can, can go places. We're a young team and led by Conrad and we've got some good old heads in the team as well so we've got a lot of potential and with a few changes in terms of how we're doing things we can we can do a lot better than what we did this year. Was it tempting to, to go? Definitely, yep. I suppose for me I want to keep developing and coaches definitely help help you develop into a great rugby player not just yourself um, so with Mick Byrne and Graham Henry and JK up there it was definitely made the decision very hard and um, that's why I took my time over it The Hurricanes, how did they try to, to keep you? I mean did they simply maybe say look obviously we want to keep you, we'll give you some space or, or what approach did they take? Yeah they definitely gave me my space and, um, and left me to it because there was a period where we were going through the season reviews and, and we're participating in that. So um, I, I really didn't want to get my, my contract, my future, and what happened this year mixed up and uh, made sure that we weren't sort of overlapping. So that's why it took long. And um, obviously player development's pretty important. So I took my time over that when I was talking about where I'm going to be next year and... So I needed to know a few details of who's going to be around and um, what we're going to do to change to be better for next year. Yeah, how much of a factor did it play as to who was going to be around? I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk about Ma Nonu coming back. If he'd come back, would that have possibly pushed you to the Blues? No way. That's, um, I was open to that. It's, it's not up to me. It's up to the coaches to make that decision. So I was more talking about um, our training week, uh, our schedule, not not really player personnel or or coaches. What about the Blues? What approach did they take to try and, and get you there? What were they, their selling points? Much talk about Benji Marshall? Yeah, obviously uh, there's a bit, of, a bit of hype and um, that didn't have an, an, an impact on my decision. I think it's great for the Blues though. As you look ahead to, to next year, I mean you've obviously talked about the potential you see in the side. What differences do you think the team needs to or changes does the team need to make to 
to to go to the next level or two? I guess it's um, getting the most out of each each player every week and changing up our training uh, schedule our, our week and just allowing ourselves to have the time to demand that clarity and, and get everyone on board and just dig a little bit deeper in terms of homework and preparation for each game. So I think that's, that's pretty huge and we'll be able to allow our coaches to coach and they'll have plenty of time to do that. It must be a, a relief too to have made the decision. It is. Yeah, I don't want it to overlap onto the All Black season and good that it's put to bed now so I can move on. I was talking with All Black first five, Bowden Barrett. It's been a difficult week, though, for Barrett's Hurricanes teammate, Victor Vito. Vito was dropped from the All Blacks, missing out on the upcoming Four Nations Rugby Championship after being part of the squad for the recent series against France. Vito will get the chance to show coach Steve Hansen just how he's coping with that decision when he plays for Wellington against the All Blacks in Lower Hutt on Friday night. Pretty tough week. Um, I was pretty gutted. I mean, it, it would always hurt, um, you know, missing out on teams such as the All Blacks, but, uh, you know, they're the best team in the world for, for a reason, and uh, it's never going to be easy keeping a spot. So, um, you know, i just got to make sure I take away the learnings and the stuff that the coaches have given me and try and uh, put it on the field for the ITM. They're looking for, you know, that physicality and just that, uh, I guess, that intensity for uh, full 80 minutes and um, something I obviously haven't shown. Um, so, uh, you know, it'll be good to get some back-to-back starts, something I've never really done in the All Black jersey. Is there a point to prove for you this Friday against the All Blacks? Yeah, I mean, there's always a point to prove, but um, I think more so it's still, you know, I don't want to be going out of systems for my, my lines are um, aspirations now too, so i just got to make sure, I, you know, I do the business for, for the lines first and foremost and then hit the bank whatever else I've got uh, when we're on defence, I guess. Did you get much of a hint that it was coming? Oh, you guys uh, wrote a little, a fair bit about it, so, um, yeah, I got a bit of a hint there, but, um, you know, um, yeah, you always hope for the best and then you get the tap on the shoulder to come meet the coach and, uh, yeah, I guess the reality hits and, you know, you're facing a week like I've had recently. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it felt it coming a little bit, but it uh, doesn't mean it makes it any easier when it comes. Steve Hansen sort of used the phrase, you need to unclutter your game. Has he explained that to you? Yeah, by unclutter, you know, I think he just means um, be free and just uh, get rid of some of the, you know, some of the things I always try and, you know, sometimes less is more on, on the rugby field. And for me, someone that always wants to have a lot of information, it's uh, probably gone in the way of my game and he wants me just to roam around and, go back to what my strengths were so I guess it's a little bit of what uh, our team's going to be about for me A lot of players at this point Victor may say right I'm off and go go to Europe go to France go to Japan whatever what, what's your I guess goals or do you have do you know that far into your future Oh well for me right now you know I'm quashing those sorts of talks um, you know I'm not worried about going overseas you know the black jersey still holds a huge importance for me and I want to stick around and you know I'm, I haven't rid of myself off I still want to play well for this ITM team and just uh, really tried to help Wellington achieve something that hasn't done since 2000 I think and that's uh, win the ITM Cup. Is it going to be an easy thing to do to try and take part of yourself and how do you go about getting into the right mindset? Yeah we've still got guys like uh, Gilbert Anoko who's in the All Blacks frame and you know he's um, you know he's already told me that you know he's always going to be there to give me a hand so you know using guys like him but also the Lions or guys like Steve Simons who's just going to help me out I mean go a bit outside of my norm you know normally you guys probably expect I'm just on top of it but I guess sometimes you just got to go outside and get some of that help that you need. Do you think Steve Hansen's criticisms were fair? Do you feel? Yep, they're pretty fair. His coach is always right I guess. You're listening to Extra Time, a web only programme from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. The All Whites goalkeeper Mark Paston has announced his retirement from international football. 
Paston retired from the Wellington Phoenix at the end of last season, but had left the door open for the All-Whites. However, he says since retiring from the Phoenix, he hasn't particularly missed the game, and that was a sign that it was time to move on. The 36-year-old made 35 appearances for the All-Whites since making his debut against Indonesia in 1997. I asked him whether calling it quits with the Phoenix meant not playing again for the All-Whites was inevitable. I did say when I did retire from professional football that I'd take some time off and see how I felt uh, after a few months. So um, I'm at that stage now and um, haven't really missed the football in the last few months I've been working and um, and also feel I don't really have the time to put in that I'd, I, that I'd have to. So I think those two things combined made the decision pretty easy in the end. Uh, surprised that you made more you haven't missed it? Not really. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty busy since um, starting a new career, so I'm really enjoying that. And, um, you know, I, I just think maybe my focus and my energies are elsewhere. So, you know, I think with the World Cup campaign, you need uh, to focus all your energies in that direction. And uh, I just didn't really want to split myself um, like that. The fact that there's a fair bit of competition between yourself and Glenn Moss, maybe not automatically number one, did that play a part? Not at all. No, no, I think the, the two reasons I just gave is probably um, the major ones. I, I mean, there's always going to be that competition, always has been with me, myself and Mossy, and um, you know, I think that's part of its enjoyment, I think, for me, the, the competition, so um, definitely not a reason. When you got to the end of your, your professional career, did it feel like stepping off the treadmill a bit? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a bit more of a grind. Um, Training-wise, obviously, I have to get out half an hour for an else and warm up, and... Um, you know, especially towards the end of the season, you, you just you know, you're getting pretty sore. And uh, um, yeah, there's other sides. There's a lot of travel and uh, time spent in hotels and um, away from my family. So um, yeah, it just just felt like it was time to move on in that regard. So um, people say you, you go to some nice countries, but you don't actually get to see anything. So you generally just in a plane in a hotel or on the training ground. So it's not as glamorous as people think. But so that it is, it's it is a fantastic career. Um, if, if, you're, if you're lucky enough to do it, and um, I wouldn't change anything. Do you see yourself having any involvement in football in the future? I won't rule it out. Um, at this stage, my focus is elsewhere. I, I do, a, I apparently do a little bit of sort of informal coaching here and there, but it's nothing really that structured or that serious. So, um, but yeah, you know, who knows? In the future, I'll. I'll um, definitely won't, wouldn't rule that out. The highlights, uh, I presume, obviously the the, the World Cup. Yeah, that's a, that's one that stands out. It's the qualifier that got us there as well. I think those are two major ones, which obviously pretty obvious. Um, that qualifier, that simply because of the the atmosphere, that the penalty save, it must have been yeah quite an occasion. Yeah, obviously the atmosphere was huge. Just you know, just what it stood for. You know, New Zealand hadn't been to a World Cup in twenty eight odd years, and um, yeah, it was uh, you know, just an amazing sort of. Uh, night really. Your new career, what's what's that entail? I, I see you've got a, a science degree in um, computing and, and IT and things. Yeah, I did a BSc at Victoria many years ago it was in computer science so I'm now working at a company called Rivera in IT so um, I've actually been doing quite a bit of work experience for the last couple of years which has been you know, they've been really good about that so uh, and I've just moved in there full time you know, uh, three months ago so it's, um, I'm enjoying that side of my life now. Has that taken much adapting, moving from a, a career as a professional footballer and obviously the, the hours, different hours that, that involves to, to a, a more regular job? Yeah, it definitely is. Sitting in an office all day is um, 
you know, a bit different for the body and different for the mind. And uh, it, it does take a while to adapt. And saying that, I've, I've, I have worked full-time in office before, before I started playing professionally, so it's not completely foreign to me. What about goalkeepers? I mean, because they say that they're a special breed. I mean, you've always come across as re- reasonably quiet. I mean, are, are you... I mean, how how do you see that? Uh, yeah, they're all different, you know. Like, I, I've played with Michael Harding, who's... Anyone that's met Michael, he's pretty... He's a, definitely an extrovert. Um, yeah, they're all different. A lot of people say they're all crazy, but it's definitely not the case. Um, I, I mean, I think Glenn Moss is reasonably normal, I think, from my point of view. So, um, yeah, case-by-case case basis on, on that one, I think. What about the future for, for goalkeepers in New Zealand? The, the likes of Scott Baslow, what, what, do you, what do you make of the up-and-comers? Yeah, I, I think, obviously, me stepping aside gives them a good opportunity. And, and um, you know, they're going to get some uh, exposed... Uh, to a lot more opportunities to play and um, obviously Mossy's going to be the number one um, and these guys have got to try and knock him off his perch now and you know it, it's, it's a good thing you know it, it's hard as a goalkeeper because it's you know there's only one spot and um, sometimes you don't get a lot of game time um, especially with you know myself and Mossy have been sort of monopolising the, the two spots over the last few years so um, you know it's up to them now to, to fight it out there's probably two or three there um in the mix, so um, you know, a good opportunity for him. And you're not going to uh, play any sort of social football or anything? I see Chris Greenacres floating around in the, the lower grades in Wellington. That that, that doesn't interest you? Oh, I play um, I play for our work five-a-side team in the outfield, but, um, and I actually played an 11-a-side game in the outfield the other night, but that was sort of just a one-off, so um won't be in goal. You've enjoyed having a bit of a run-round? Yeah, yeah, for a change. A lot less, lots, lot less pressure out there and more glory. And you're able to show off a few silky skills? Well, I don't have many of those, as most people know, so um, I'm pretty sort of uh, one-dimensional in that regard. I was talking to retiring All-Whites goalkeeper Mark Pastor. Move over one direction, there's a new boy band in town. The Sea City Brothers, comprised of Crusaders rugby players Andy Ellis, Israel Dagg, Willie Hines, Toulouse Vianu and Robbie Fruin have released Never Walk Away as a fundraiser for cystic fibrosis. This is just something exciting. Um, it's been we've sort of been toying with for a, for a couple of years now. Um, thought we'd get the best singers in the team together and um, come up with a band and, and try and write, write a song and, and release it. You know, so um, yeah, rugby doesn't last forever for us. Obviously, you know, we can only sort of play sort of into your early thirties, and you've got to start looking at um, at life after rugby. And this seemed like a really um, really cool avenue to start exploring. Did you guys hold any sort of auditions within the team to find the five best singers for the group? Yeah, we did, kind of. You know, Andy got together and um, we went around the team and, you know, we had some auditions, got yeah, the boys yeah. to sing a little little tune that they uh-huh. uh, thought of and, you know, these five members sung the best. As um, Stan Walker would say, Andy was in awe of us, so <laughs> we've done pretty well. Oh, look, these, the way these guys sing, it really is it's quite special. You know, it, was, it was sad having to turn down the likes of White Crockett, Luke Romano, um, from... From the audition list, even um, George Whitelock, who who's got a really nice deep baritone sort of voice, um, just couldn't make it through that sort of second audition. Because I notice you're all backs. You know, are the forwards jealous of you guys? I, th- I think they probably are a little bit. Um, but I think the most rewarding thing for us has just been as individual artists coming together and, and collaborating as a group and 
and uh, we're really proud of the product that we've been able to put together, so it's, it's been really enjoyable. Tell me about the inspirations. T, how, how about you? Who's the musical inspiration for you and, and the Sea City Brothers? Um, for me, growing up, um, especially a couple, um, Elvis is one of them, bit of Sam Cooke in there. But um, yeah, we were just, like Willie said, it was all it was good getting together and um, just, uh, what do you call it, just intertwining our voice together as one and coming out as uh, Sea City Brothers. So. Now, Robbie, tell me, you've uh, got a great bit of rapping going on in the middle of the song. Have you been out on the streets rapping, you know, have you, have you been in that scene for a long time? Yeah, uh, you know, I grew up in um, one of those areas where we just, you know, you were just brought up around rapping and things like that. But um, I was also more around, um, you know, I was inspired by guys like, you know, Boys to Men, Temptations, you know, yeah. group bands. So, you know, it was awesome. It was awesome to know that we were going to come together as a group and... Um, couldn't wait to get our, you know, our harmonies together, so it was awesome. Obviously, with it going uh, onto iTunes and us creating a music video, um, you know, there will be funds generated, obviously, out of it. Uh, we're looking to give 100% uh, of those, that, those funds to charity. Um, Cystic Fibrosis, uh, the Crusaders rugby team has, has had a long association with them. They're a great charity and do wonderful things in the community, so you know, we've decided that uh, we'd, we'd love to give all the proceeds to, to that wonderful charity. Sea City Brothers That's the Sea City Brothers, comprised of Crusaders rugby players Andy Ellis, Israel Dag, Willie Hines, Toulouse Vianu and Robbie Fruin. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radioNZ.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.